Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Well, I am just tremendously excited for today's topic. It's one that uh, doesn't drive me berserk at all. Oh man, this is a really fun topic. I'm super excited about it. It harkens back to, you know, six six years ago now when we were first starting the podcast as far as uh, some of the stuff we're going to bring back up. And I am hugely excited for it. We are talking all about, drum roll, power to weight. Uh, specifically, uh, this question that you sort of recently got asked really kicked off this discussion that we've been having with each other. So therefore, clearly we needed to bring it to the podcast. Right. So I had a client, and this comes up in different ways, but we'll, we'll deal with a specific question and then we'll go into generalities and similarities. So they had, you know, I think a pretty smart sort of, they had a set hill they were doing together. And so they tried carrying different I guess it was like weighted backpacks. Like essentially they had like their, their hydration pack and they added some load to it. So say 10 pounds. So a good size pack actually, you know, on your back. And they found that they were significant, you know, they were slower. I don't want to even say significantly, but they were slower going up the climb. So we know this, we know like, you know, the more weight you carry, you know, if you're backpacking or you're walking up a hill or you're, you know, trying to carry something up the stairs at the house, you have lots of grocery bags. We know, it's harder, right? Like if you could not carry things when you walk up hills, you probably wouldn't. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a good experiment. It shows that, you know, you sort of go slower. But I think if we then, you know, the, the obvious jump he made was that he should lose 10 pounds. Yes. And obvious might be a little, a little questionable there. Because as soon as you were actually stating that question back, I instantly was just hit with, uh, you know, and there's like a cartoon and there's just a million thought bubbles around. So many things came to mind with that. And it, but you're right. Like the obvious thing is, oh, like less weight equals like more, more Mm -hmm. watts or at least better watts per kg. And and I think the heart of the issue for me is that it's power to weight, but for some reason the power never gets discussed and how we increase it. And, and it's tricky because it, it does take work and time to do that, but it's uh, not anyone like... Anyone who's heard me talk on this podcast also knows losing weight takes time. For well, instance, for yeah. 20 years of my life, I said I was going to try to lose five pounds. Right. I've and I mean, I think we it. need to recognize that it is, it's a delicate subject and, and some people do really want to lose weight and, and some people may... Uh, you know, need to lose weight for whatever reason, right? So there's people are coming at this from all different angles and it, it may be true, but I think the the main thing we're talking about is cyclists of all sizes, runners of all sizes, um, you know, what do we focus our energy on? Even if at the end of it, we do get to, you know, by race day, we'll say, without saying race weight, we get to a certain, a different weight, you know, a lower weight perhaps, right? Do we get there by focusing only on the diet or too much on the diet or do we get there by training consistently and i think specific to this client's question what was left out is you know they're talking about climbing 
and and the skill thereof. So the question is, are we making sure that we're spending, you know, two or three workouts a week working on climbing skill? Uh, and I call it a skill more than even the the power specifically, right? I, th- I do think that there's a lot of stuff shifting, pacing, um, positioning, bike setup, uh, you know, all these factors, even before, you know, standing, I guess would be the other one, uh, that we have to work on to become a good climber. Yes, power is part of that. Yes, weight is part of that. But I think the things that we can modify are, are certainly more, for most of us, you know, the power is pretty modifiable for most people, right? It's not like they're elite Tour de France athletes where we've sort of tapped out both sides of the equation. Right, yeah, yeah. And especially, well, I think part of this, though, does come to this this really interesting question that you've dealt with with a lot of clients, like not even this client in particular, but a lot of clients will maybe say that their goal is in cycling, but there's sort of this like almost secret undercurrent of, like weight loss is actually more the goal than well, the you've cycling. you've talked about it. You just mentioned it. Yeah. There's always this five pounds. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think the, the problem is when, yeah, when you let that be sort of either the secret goal that you don't tell the coach or, yeah, just this this continuous undercurrent. Um, but I think, um, you know, really the, the focus on power is probably the, the smartest thing here. And we, we actually, what we didn't mention in the question is we've been talking a lot about power to weight. And I remember five or six years ago, really not having power to weight be part of the conversation unless you were talking about the pointy end of the stick, the elite athletes. Like I remember the first time I think I ever even like heard about power to weight was I was interviewing the guy at Q rings and he mentioned something about Mariana Voss's power to weight and what her number was. And I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. It was something monstrous as you would assume for, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. eight time world champion. But I remember that was the first time I'd really focused on power to weight or heard about it. Um, and now their 10 year olds know their power to weight because for e-racing, for using Zwift for any of those things, you actually have to put in your weight in order to you mm-hmm. know exist on this platform. So now you have just everyone has their power to weight just in their face all the time. So yeah, I think, and I think that's the heartbreaking one is definitely the, the kids knowing it. Um, again, it's something that like, again, physics exists. People know that these are things, you know, if you've googled around on stuff like you you see it right so i mean it's there but the fact that like 10 year olds now have to plug this in to use zwift and i'm not the technology is amazing i don't know the way around it they could build scales into (laughs) the the bike seats the bike seats or into the trainer i don't know yeah. So, but it's just, it, you know, we got to think about these things as nothing's good or bad. Right. And that's just the world, right? There's a trade off to using it. Is it worth it to have a kid, uh, using Zwift? And when I say kid, I don't know what I mean. Maybe I mean under 12. I, I don't know. We'd have to decide. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I think that's, you'd have to decide for your own kid, I guess. Um, right. But that's a trade off to do it. You know, so maybe you can even, maybe, you know, their weight from their doctor's office appointment or something. And they just never, you just never even mentioned the power to weight setting, but yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I wish there was actually a way. Oh, this is what Zwift could do. Uh, if any Zwift developers are listening to this, um, if you could maybe find a way to sync, or maybe Wahoo just needs to develop this, a smart scale that you can step on, not see the weight, but it syncs to your Zwift. So you never actually have to be confronted with your weight. I actually think to me that's that's the best way to do There's it. There's definitely smart scales that you don't see the weight. I, I think that is a thing. So, I mean, if anyone's really geeked out on all this and already has it auto-syncing to their 
another Zwift or something. Can make like send us I- send us the workflow. We'll post the link. Yeah, I was going to say make an IFTT or a Zapier yeah. or something. No, I'm sure it's possible. But again, this is getting around maybe the, the heart of the issue. But I think that to me, this is actually the heart of the issue is, and again, this is maybe a bit of a, a point of privilege in that I'm probably in like a healthy weight range. You are in a healthy weight range. I am range. in a healthy yeah. weight range. We're it's, working through this. We're working through this. It's fine. <laughs> um, me and my therapist are on this. Uh, anyway, point being, I have not gotten on a scale in a few years now. Um, I remember actually when I first started working with my coach, David Roche, uh, the, one of my first emails to him, which probably like almost made him fire me instantly. I feel like this isn't going to work out, Molly. It was like, I think I said, oh, and by the way, like, I think I realized I should probably like lose five pounds. <laughs> I think he sent me back a message in like all capital letters, like not knowing me, not knowing my weight, where he was just like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. That's like not how we train. No, um, no. And, and I mean, if you need a book to read, like David's book is, I just reread The Happy Runner, David and Megan's book, I should say. And it's it's a great book. And I think it drives home this, you know, there's a lot of hard work in there and, and all these people are doing tons and tons of work uh, but that's definitely driven home in there yeah so honestly from that on I have not gotten on a scale and you know realistically like I, I trained for an ultra marathon I, I won a hundred miler without looking at a scale I couldn't tell you how much I weigh right now so mm. you know for anyone who says like oh but I need to know how much I weigh in order to you know do this power to weight or like I just don't think that matters Right. And it gets to, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, what would we do? Well, what are the actions? Right. So we know we should be on our bicycles if we want to be a, a bicycle racer. Right. So we have, a, you know, most days of the week we should be doing some sort of workout. When we start, it doesn't have to be hours, but that's what we should be doing. We should be practicing frequently. Uh, if we want to be a healthy person, there's probably, you know, foods we could agree on that might be in, you know, healthy and, and you know, not healthy. We could probably pick some, you know, general rules there uh you know as far as our vegetables and fruits and proteins and you know not super you know if, if we don't know what it is maybe something along those lines you know if it's like very boxed and processed uh, i always come back to that alan Lim quote that he gave me like years ago when i interviewed him and asked him what like the secret to a healthy diet was and he said don't be a dick about food which hmm. was just shorthand for like you generally speaking know what's healthy if you if you need to if you need a primer uh just pick up bernstein bears too much junk food for a, a quick thing on uh right yeah with the chips and, and stuff got too much right and uh, usually with clients that's what i see is it's you know okay, you know, they've gained a, bu- uh, a bit of weight, I should say, not a bunch of weight, but a bit of weight over, you know, the holidays or the winter or COVID. Uh, and then it's, they know, right? They've been, there's been too much alcohol. There's been too many chips. There's been too much baked goods. And so these are things that we could remove, you know, and, and keep out of the house uh, while you're training towards this goal, right? And that's, I think, probably good fueling for cycling, right? Again, assuming that we're getting enough calories to fuel the workouts. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's un it's unfair to say strictly focus on the power when we're pretty aware that there are plenty of of people, athletes or non-athletes who are eating these diets that are just not serving them well at all like in terms of overall health. Like forgetting athletic performance just overall health. So I do <laughs> while we're all about the focusing on the power, not the weight, I do think healthy nutrition is is part of that. 
part of yeah, that. Yeah, and maybe there's some actions there, right? But again, I think we it's very hard to change habits and very hard, you know, because of that, I think to change weight, right? We've probably all felt this. Dan John makes the joke that, you know, probably if people set a goal to be one pound lighter at the end of the year, uh, that would probably be, you know, a challenging goal. And I, I think, you know, the heart, his joke is that, you know, we all try and do all this thing and then we end up sort of back at New Year's. Right. Uh, also, if that's your goal, like the one pound a year, I like that because it probably keeps you right at around the same weight that you are. So at least you're be. holding it yeah. steady. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I don't know if it's a funny joke, but it, it's, uh, you know, that's that's the idea is, right? It's, it's hard. And I think we see that. Uh, I, I think he's also trying to go against the idea that like we slowly gain weight as we age, exactly. right? And again, can we even stop that process is, is a question mark maybe too, right? There are natural changes that happen as we get older. Right. But coming back to the, the power on the bike, we do know that there are plenty of things we can be doing to increase that on-bike power. And if we increase the power, we improve the power to weight. We uh, do. And honestly, very likely, I would say you have much more success if you work on improving the power. You're going to have much more success with getting to a healthy feeling point in your body. Well, and it's interesting how the two things do go together. I try and hesitate. You know, I, I always hesitate by saying, you know, well, we'll train and then we're going to train to lose weight. But it, it does sort of, you know, sort of happen, right? And, and this, I don't know if this is a good part to, should we insert the, our big? I think we should. Okay. So back in 2016, I looked this up. It was three days before our wedding. We were actually at our wedding venue trying to get ready for the wedding uh, because we were doing it all by ourselves. And we still went to this coffee shop because we didn't have internet at the cabins where we were getting married. We ended up in this cafe. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time for the audio quality. This was 2016. It was one of our first podcasts. And we had on legendary coach Dean Golich. He's worked with so many Olympians, uh, most notably for us anyway, Katarina Nash, who I think is a three-time consummate athlete. And, and Rebecca Rush. And Rebecca Rush. Uh, also guest on the Consummate Athlete podcast here. Uh, Dean was one of our, our first expert guests that we had, and he so graciously talked to us for an hour about all things training. But what we really loved, and we've brought up a billion times since, is his his discussion of power to weight. And he says, even with the pointiest end of the stick, even with the most elite athletes, he is still just 100% focused on power and the weight takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. And so, again, there's like big buckets of just like general good nutrition, right? But again, nothing extreme. It's not like there's no treats or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I can actually attest to that given that I've now like gotten to sit down with Katerina for a couple meals over the years and there's always always carbs, always wine. It's always lovely. Well, and I think the, those two athletes, Rebecca Rush and Katarina, are probably good examples of, again, sort of if we, if we keep driving in on like, why does this matter, you know, is, is resilience, uh, long-term success, health, you know, these two athletes have been around for quite a while and done some pretty wild things. For decades. Right, like Katarina won a World Cup at 40 plus right but then also did you know she hadn't really done and i use this as an example often but she just did a bunch of like long races last year some of them were like her she'd never raced i think or i think maybe she hadn't ridden over six i don't want to take that out but she hadn't raced so they're like the longest races she'd done at this point in her career but again she's just such a good athlete that she was able to strive but she's a good athlete because of the experience Right. And, and the experience comes from years and years and years of consistently training and racing. And not that there weren't ups and downs in that. There always are. But you got to keep coming back. Right. 
Yes, and I would say actually those two women have had very good good luck, uh, although luck favors the prepared here, uh, with avoiding injury. And I think a lot of that comes to like fueling adequately and not worrying about weight when when power weight is like the trendy thing and it's probably been so tempting for them at times to try to drop weight in order to you know gain a little bit of that instant gratification that instant numbers going up but and i'm sure if you ask them there would be points in their career where they've made mistakes purposefully or, or not purposefully right the, the the struggle and we've talked about red s we've had a couple different uh, people on talking about this idea of uh, energy balance right you know are we matching the demands of training are we fueling the demands of training is really the question right are, are we able to match that and sometimes in our career uh, you know, you're going to try and push a bit more. You're going to go on a big training camp, right? And purposefully or not, you know, or purposefully or on purpose or not on purpose, you might end up under fueling, right? And this is where we start seeing short-term consequences. You're tired, you're sore, you don't recover, you get sick. And then in the long term, this is where it becomes, you know, more of an issue, right? Where we're always trying to be five pounds lighter, but also trying to race and push our limits, and then this is where we ended up with this red ass, which can be hormonal, can be bone fractures, can be these other uh, issues. Right. And we'll also link to uh, our conversation with Alex Coates about red ass. Uh, but before before you check that one out, uh, let's quickly hear from the man of the hour, Dean Golich, on what he had to say about power to weight ratio. So I don't see anything positive in the power to weight ratio in the past with female side. And now I see it even being more negative in the male side of it. The way I deal with it is generally I don't deal with it. So I don't ever try to change the power to weight ratio overtly with weight if that makes any sense i try to keep on a a balanced diet which yeah it's so simple and everyone's like no but i need something no we just kind of eat a balanced diet and move on and then um more power i'm all about training and and getting more power and maturing over time and trying to reinforce that and support the time and the development of the athlete rather than any short term and the reason i say short term is that a lot of times yeah you can lose weight and you can gain power to weight but then it comes with a whole different set of problems that hurt the long-term development of the athlete and i know that's what no no one wants to hear this and no one certainly at the elite level wants to hear it but i i just reinforce it every day i don't engage in it okay so if if we and Dean Golich aren't enough to convince you, we've also been really going through the literature on this. And it seems it seems like a lot of stuff is stacked up in favor of not focusing on weight. So, Peter, what'd you find? Well, I mean, it really depends, you know, the different disciplines you're in. And I try and I, I work with actually, a, a, I don't know what it would be, five or six athletes for sure that are you know, over 200, these are bigger, uh, athletes. And, and there's always this, I think for that group, they're always a lot of them. It's this 200. There's always this getting under 200, but you know, they might actually be quite strong and powerful at 210 or 220. 
Um, I think 200 is also like the very easy example of this, but I would argue that pretty much everyone has that thing in their, the back of their head. It's that's probably a round number somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the round number, like if you actually just think about the round number for two seconds, just think about how arbitrary and how silly that mm-hmm. is to have that round number. Pound. Yeah. It's that stupid. I, I've said this before on the podcast, I think, but it's that stupid thing that uh, women here, especially when they're younger, where it's like, this awful equation that came, like some random teen magazine put out in the 1980s that was like five feet, a hundred pounds. And for every inch after that, it's like five pounds, which was like this arbitrary thing that some random editor just literally wrote in an article. Like it, it had nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. And it's become this just persistent like thought in the American psyche. And there's lots of these formulas. BMI would be another one, right? That, you know, at the population level probably has some utility, probably. But on the individual level, it gets misused as, oh, I should be in this, as you said, normal weight range or or not normal range or underweight or whatever. So it's not really of a lot of utility. And, And so what we're missing there is, you know, we're not, we don't have a 10 pound useless backpack there right we can be very strong and capable that was one of the thought bubbles that came into my brain right, at the right. very beginning of this yeah. when we why were are you carrying 10 that. pounds on your back <laughs> yeah. well yeah like the losing 10 pounds is just think about what those 10 pounds could be are we saying losing 10 pounds of muscle losing 10 pounds of water losing 10 pounds of fat those are all well, very different horm- outcomes. hormonal health or bones right yeah. <laughs> bones are important too and so we don't want the bone density to decrease but that would be one way you could lose weight um right <laughs> over time <laughs> hollow bones right there you right. Go. i mean it's it's again it's a joke it's not really funny but it's uh you know that's that's the the heart of the issue so when we look at racing there's some, been some cool studies over the last couple of years there's a bunch on uh, cross-country mountain biking which i didn't actually pull for our notes but i'll try and freestyle this and put the the links to them they're really good studies and there's some really neat stuff about uh repeated sprint ability that i i've really enjoyed reading about and, and playing with a little bit uh, some clients will know, you know, these repeated sprints we've played with, uh, you know, there's in cross country mountain biking. So there's lots of things. And, and the idea with the repeated sprints, so I don't leave that hanging is just that you repeatedly sprint in mountain biking, right? It's on and off. And so some people handle that really well. But if you think about your standard, like triathlete, you know, they're used to doing an, you know, a six hour effort, you know, super steady, never varying, right? Hills or whatever, just right on that that pacing target. You wouldn't suspect that those athletes are, are ready to deal with that up and down, super maximal and then coasting, super maximal and then coasting. Um, and so that's something that's, you know, almost independent of, of weight. Weight can influence it, but at some point you have to accelerate really fast. And if you're a really small person, then that would be, you know, the absolute power. So the actual power number is absolute versus relative would be power to weight. So we've normalized it to your, your weight. Uh, the absolute power actually becomes an issue in some events. So if you think about track cycling, it's flat. If you think about a time trial, it's flat. Uh, there's lots of these cyclocross even where it's, it's a fairly flat event. And, and we actually are looking more at aerodynamics and, and in a lot of cases that absolute power. So can you sprint at 1500 watts or are you a little tiny weak, you know, like myself where it's like, you know, 600, I didn't want to say 600 it. watts. So you get popped on every flat, you know, or every sprint or every right in. So then it's like, what is the goal? Well, I was wanting to start a mountain bike race really fast. 
right? We told the story, I think, before where there was a coach who was doing a, a Zoom presentation for Cycling Canada, and they said something just off the cuff about mountain bikers. I think I talked about this on the Dan John episode, though, and Dan John enjoyed this story of I was my whole career, I, I've been way too light to ever succeed. <laughs> and I was like, why did no one tell me? You know, he said you, you had to be whatever it was. I wouldn't even bother with the weight, but it's more than I weigh. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you just would never compete if you were lighter than this because you wouldn't have this absolute power, right? The raw watts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think in the past few years, it's been fascinating, even in the in the women's field in particular, to start seeing so many different shapes and sizes coming to the front of the races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you've seen a bit more like, for sure. And I mean, elite, I mean, we have to be careful because, you know, if you're going to be in the NBA and you're over seven feet tall, this is, you know, so there's there, there are shapes and sizes that come with certain sports. However, in women's cycling, there are women who are five feet tall and there are women who are six feet mm-hmm. tall mm-hmm. and like E- like performing equally and like very different body types like sure. you put them next to each other their body types just do not it's not that like they're the exact same ratio just like one's a little taller mm-hmm. totally different and they're both performing like amazingly so i think there's also just something to be said for like finding like where your comfort uh or like where your peak is i guess well and being careful too that that's at the most elite level so we could find heroes or examples there perhaps but that also doesn't preclude someone from participating and getting a personal best and being even very competitive in anything under world class because we know that world class is a different thing in a lot of cases right lots of people play basketball at all levels Uh, lots of people do lots of sports at all sorts of different levels and abilities And, and so you can sort of you know take that and be like well how good can i get and so much so much of the people listening so much of our clients are you know they're doing these big massive ultra events ultra running ultra bike you know adventure race triathlon and, and in those things, you know, there's so much skill, something like triathlon, how much skill there's upper body requirements for swimming. Um, the gut, the one study I have here about ultra running, but I would say this is true of triathlon. I think it's like 48% of people have like significant GI distress during the race. And the other 52% are lying. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't influence it. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You know, it happens after the event. Or during, and it just doesn't bother them. Right? So we have food. I mentioned tactics in mountain biking, the importance of the start. You know, tactics would be tied into that as well, right? Are you willing to go that, you know, do you understand how the game works, right? This gameplay, this of the sport, of the discipline. Uh, do you understand how that works? Technical in anything off-road, running or uh, cycling, you're going to have technical. And we know that that's a huge indicator. I think the one study put it, uh, and I'm only going to be guessing at this, I think it was like a 70%, like some of the fitness markers, your classic VO2 and these types of things, uh, speed at VO2. Uh, these were pretty indicative. Like you could definitely like sort of pick the results based off of, you know, you have to be fit. You know, there's no way around that. But I think it was 60 or 70% uh, in mountain bike cross country Olympics. So again, the technical piece, you know, if you don't steer around the trees, you know, it doesn't really matter how fit you were on Zwift, right? This is, it's hard to get around that. Right. Which comes back to the, why do you care about your power to weight? Um, so the other question, I actually just was thinking about this as you were saying, as we were talking about where cl- meeting you know clients where they are now and how everyone can find their competitive range, you've seen you've seen clients improve their power to improve power to weight, and you've seen clients. I hesitate to call it improve. You've seen power. You've seen people who've dropped their weight in order to improve their power to weight. Now, 
which I think the other interesting question here is which has the better longevity for the person, right? Because we, we know from so many studies, so much literature that says most people, if they lose weight, end up gaining it back. Like the, the dropping tricky, 10 yeah. pounds quickly is just it's almost probably where never... context, right? It's hard to make a, a, a statement across the board, right? Is this person, you know, really cleaning up lifestyle stuff? You know, maybe they had a really stressful job. They weren't sleeping, you know, even independent of the food they were intaking. Or is this someone who's, you know, the, your classic person who probably buy a book like racing weight, uh, which is a Matt Fitzgerald book and be, you know, taking it far to, you know, spending too much time time I, sometimes I, that's what i get frustrated with this stuff is it's like it takes up hours of a week you're reading a book you bought the book but how much time did you spend climbing and you know preparing for your climbing workout and thinking about shifting and what gearing and and you know even this client who sparked this thing at least he was out there practicing and and just playing with intervals right like yeah we, we put a weight in our you know heavy backpack and we did the interval true right true. like at least he's out there slugging that out you know as much as this has sparked this power to weight discussion yeah i think it's just i would posit that i think it's probably your your better like long-term success i mean not just in in terms of everything we've been talking about in like health and everything but just your actual odds of keeping that power to weight at the higher number are going to come from upping the power versus lowering the weight yeah, I, I, it's hard to say. I know we. I did get a, there's a Carmichael, like a CTS article that I found. And I liked the example. Sometimes the examples are so like mathematical that it's sort of weird. But they had an example where I think it was they lost five kilograms and, or they compared the time. It was like a local climb. I'm getting pop-ups here. Thank you, CTS. Um, <laughs> Hashtag definitely not sponsored. Yeah. And so they, they, con- I'll put the art link in the show notes, but the idea was that by gaining 10 watts, they actually had gone faster. Both were improved the time on this climb, but mathematically, at least they improved more with 10 watts versus, you know, I think it was five pounds of weight loss. Um, and again, this, the math doesn't even matter, right? But it's like, it's significant, right? If you push more power, you push more power. Uh, if you could do both, then, you know, that was better. Uh, so again, this, the analogy only works so well, but, to your point, I think learning to become a better cyclist and climb fact faster, you start seeing what it's like to go that fast. And there is a little bit, you know, you got to keep training to preserve this, but it is sort of, you know, once you get to another level, then it is fairly stable. And what comes with that, which we haven't really talked a lot about, but when your fitness improves, so then you have more mitochondria, so your fat burning might improve it. And Inigo, Dr. Inigo Saint Moran has some great stuff around zone two. Uh, so you can look up, I'll try and link to a couple uh, podcasts or articles about him too. But this idea that like, if you have good mitochondria, so you have a good endurance base, so you're, you know, a good cyclist, you can ride lots of the day, then generally you're better at dealing with food and, and calories and, and your body burns these things very efficiently, uh, because of that endurance exercise. So this is where zone two and training easy and stuff, it, it, you know, all these things that we believe in are the sort of cliches of endurance training, you know, again, influence how the food actually gets used versus being maybe a sugar burner where we're craving sugar, right? So this is how the training might actually influence what you eat long-term and why starting with training at least or or making sure training is part of the strategy uh, is smart, I think, right? Because again, it's hard to determine how a given body will will deal with these calories. Right, right. 
Um, and I actually thought you were heading in a slightly different direction as Probably. soon as you mentioned. <laughs> no, as soon as you mentioned mitochondria, what was also popping into my head that we didn't really touch on is the sort of old cliche that uh, by volume, muscle weighs more than fat. So, you know, the more there is like the kind of scary thing with like when you're so fixated on the scale, um, there's a chance that you're kind of avoiding things like strength training, avoiding things like like actually developing those quads and those glutes and stuff in order to actually like climb with more power uh, because you have more muscle. Mm. So I think, you know, that you're, we've talked about this with some of your clients who are in that like 200 pound range. A lot of them may not actually ever hit under 200, but they can change their composition so much and mm-hmm. like add a ton of muscle. And on paper, their power to weight may not like move as right. their, the weight might not move as much in that, but the power is going to move because they're actually shifting to more muscle. Well, and beyond cycling, even then it gets to how do you look and how do you feel and how do you perform and the look, sometimes people don't like that, but uh, you know, for some people that's a motivator, especially as we get older too. Right. And so it's like, if everything tightens up and you look really strong and you can lift stuff and you can walk around and, you know, lift heavy boxes and, you know, it's not such a bad thing either. So, and, and you have to think that if that started changing, you had more muscle then you'd feel better throughout the day and have more energy. And again, muscle is a great place you know it deals with energy it's very metabolically costly you have to maintain it but it also burns a lot of calories right the more muscle you have the leaner you are uh that's the advantage of having the muscle on board too so yeah there's just this like uh snowball effect i guess that happens if you start getting that training going yeah so so many reasons to not worry about the weight side of things and focus on the power I think that's just going to be so much more bang for your buck. It's going to make you a happier, healthier human in the long run. And uh, of course, you know, we also want to add the side note that where wherever you are, as far as your power, as far as your weight, um, just remembering that, uh, you know, to, to go with the the current cliche, but we really do believe it, like you are enough wherever you're at right now. Um, and I mean, the fact that you're even thinking about wanting to improve on the bike or on the run or whatever, like that's, that's awesome. And just, you know, adding to that consistency, actually like loving your training, enjoying your training, um, finding joy in that stuff. I think that's all, that's all way more important than, uh, either the power or the weight actually. Well, and letting that, that joy, as you put it, drive the, the daily process, which again, then you're getting up to train, you're paying attention to how you're you know, are, am I improving? How did I feel in the workout? Okay. I felt a little draggy. Maybe I need to fuel this a little better or differently. Okay. How did I feel on the next day? Right. And and that process of training, of being an athlete then sort of drives a lot of these decisions and, uh, you know, processes, I guess, really. Yeah. This just shouldn't be this constant, uh, struggle. Like you can strive for a better power to weight. You can strive for better power on that hill and stuff, but it shouldn't feel like this just constant fight against yourself. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more of this like internal, I guess, loving yourself enough to want to do this. Well, and sometimes you have to sell this a little bit too, right? But it's, you know, okay. Have you, if you've been focused really on this, you've had that racing weight book, uh, you know, and it's been a year or years or even months and, and, you know, okay, I am about the same. Nothing's really changed as far as habits or whatever, uh, or, or weight. Uh, so the power to weight hasn't really changed. Maybe it's even gone down if the power hasn't, you know, so could you do a block, a two week, a three week block 
and really focus on whatever type of training you think makes sense, right? And then try fueling, try fueling differently. You know, we're, we're thinking, I, I loved, we have uh, at the OCA, they have Kevin, uh, who's a really smart uh, nutritionist and, and strength coach. And he, I thought, had a good thought towards, you know, this red S stuff is always so nebulous. And I always struggle because it's, it's scary sounding and it just sounds like everything, you know, if you don't fuel enough. And he said, you know, if you're, if you're eating your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're, you know, maybe having a snack before you train, you're fueling during training, you know, you're, you're fueling after your training. It's a lot of eating. It is. And I think, you know, we can scale this down if we're not training a lot. But if you're not getting the results you want, then I thought this was like a checklist of like, am I doing any of these things or am I intermittent fasting and, and only eating dinner? So now I'm there's six or seven of these meals and snacks that Kevin mentioned. Uh, and his point was just that you probably don't have red S if you're doing all these snacks and meals. So I thought, well, again, in this idea of it's all nebulous and we don't know about our body and our, our training goals, but that's an action. That's a checklist that if I'm not getting the results I have, I have any of these symptoms I haven't been progressing, I haven't been losing, then could we try any of those, whatever one you're willing to do? So it could be fueling during the workout or an extra snack before the workout. I found that mid-morning snack, even, you know, I've been doing this long enough and I would say I always, I do err on the side of, of under fueling to my deficit across my career. And, and I would say that even this year, I've got learned again that I just need like oh, I couldn't increase the volume and I've been struggling to get my training volume back up. You know, we're trying to get out and get going here again. And it was that, it was like, it was just too long from breakfast. I usually train, you know, midday we'll say, and it was just too long to that meal. And I was just like, oh, if I just have a snack, you know, an hour before that, which I never really did a lot, but it's been great. And, and a couple of years ago, I remember Ben Perry, who's in the pro tour now, uh, he, he said, you know, one of the biggest boosts he had with his zone two training, just the amount of volume he was doing as he was sort of making his break. He said, Peter, like I'm eating, you know, sort of the equivalent of like two cliff bars, which is, you know, get into that 300, 400 calories an hour, right? So double what most people, but again, his work capacity is massive with these pro tour guys. And I was like, maybe I should eat more. <laughs> and again, I had this realization that I was just under fueling during the workout, right? So it's not that, you know, anyone's immune to this. It, it happens as we raise our level, we sort of have to keep evolving with this. Now, it's a lesson I've learned literally any time that we've run a cycling camp, because when I'm coaching a camp, I'm much more inclined to adequately fuel my rides because I am terrified example. of, well, as an example, and because like, I can't be the oh, one bonking. Out of being terrified of getting dropped. No, no, I just, not even dropped. I just can't. Well, that's what you're saying. Sort of. Kind of. I also get mean. Right. So like, as the coach, I can't be really mean to athletes. I remember actually one of the the younger women who's been on camps with us for probably mo like ever, since we've been we've been coaching them. So like seven years of camps, said to me at the last one, like, I've just never seen you get angry or upset. Like you're always so even keeled on these rides. It's a good good resume builder for a coach. I felt so good. I was Molly so doesn't get it. angry and throw her bike across the road. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's because I'm eating on these. Um, that's the only reason, really. I'm furious on the inside, but at least it's not coming out because I'm bonking. Mm. Um, but yeah, really, like I think actually, like for me, it's if I remember to fuel as though I'm like coaching a camp and I can't afford to bonk, that's when I'm actually at my best. One of my clients who's, you know, struggled with this a little bit and she said, you know, her goal is to fuel as if each workout matters. And I thought that was really nice, right? I think that was like a good breakthrough really was like, I was like, that's, that's very succinct, you know? 
<laughs> that's the idea, right? So I even even the you know as cyclists, the strength workouts often it's like oh they don't count. You know, I'm not going to have a snack or a meal or, you know, we're supposed to have protein either during or after or soon around the strength workout, right? So those amino acids are there so we can build muscle. But I would say most of us as as cyclists, right, are, are not. And again, it gets to, well, would you have been stronger? Would you have been leaner? Would you have been recovered faster from that strength workout, right? Or do we just get sore and be like, ah, strength sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to do yes. it. Yes. I'm not going to do it, right? So it, it's... It's tricky. I guess that's the the thing. And I think your thought about the the angry, being angry on the bike sort of made me think, you know, the the psychology part of this, the mental part of of success is an element I didn't mention. Again, David's and Megan's book, The Happy Runner, is obviously (laughs) the opposite of that, trying to stay happy as you're training and joyful in your training and enjoying your training. Um, You know, why else are we all doing it? But it is easier said than done, right? We The self-talk, the positive self-talk, it's very, very tough to stay on top of that. And so you wonder if, if, again, is this an area we could focus on more, read about more, read their book, read whatever sports psych book? Oh, actually, Athletic Bookworm's pick of the month is Chatter by Ethan Cross. And it's all about self-talk, actually, in the more general sense of the Have we already released phrase. this? Uh, it's kind of, this is actually like sneak peek. This, is a, this post about it will be out later this week. But uh, if you're listening to this, you get kind of a... You oh, get okay. ahead on the book. Okay. Well, I'll try and link to that. That sounds like I have to link into the future, but I'll try and oh boy. try and work the code on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. All right. So uh, Peter's going to work the code on the <laughs> And we're back. Sorry about that. Well, so we're here. So serious topic. We're talking about uh, power to weight today and you know it, it is it, it's relevant i think it's not a bad thing to talk to someone this could be a coach you know and just does this matter for me when does it matter how are we working on this you know question about progress if it is on the power right like how can we make progress i'd like to you know work on a three-week block here and see if i can increase my power yeah i think it's it's a scary topic for i mean even for us to bring on the podcast mm-hmm. because we know it is such a it's such a hot topic. It's such an emotional topic for a lot of people, but it, it also, it's one of those things that you do need to talk about because people are thinking about it. So I think it's, it's important to at least, I think we have to name it, it right? It's sort of like, you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about periods, right? But it's important. And the more I talk to female clients and apologies for anyone that I haven't, you know, really broached the subject with, but I think, you know, we've reached out and try and keep talking about it. And a lot of times it's not an issue, but you know, people, you know, it comes up and, and sometimes we can work around this and talk about it. And at least you've, you know, feel like you're on the same page with someone. Um, exactly. Yeah. And if you do actually want to reach out to an expert uh, registered dietitian, we've had Kylie Van Horn on the podcast a couple of times and she is one of our like absolute favorite go tos. Um, also, Stevie Lynn Smith, also a registered mm-hmm. dietitian. We've had her on as well. And she's fantastic. So either one of those women would be great, great women to start with. And- you know, I don't, I hesitate to say that Instagram is a good place to get any sort of dietary advice, but Kylie's Instagram, she posts lots of things about like fueling and ideas for fueling and like nice infographics. So I always enjoy hers. I share the odd one, but yeah, it's she's yeah, very, fly nutrition. very, you know, food first, you know, f- but like fuel your workouts, you know, like they matter. Um, so that was our, yeah. So we have that note. And then what else did we want to close off on? We talked about David's book. I think again, is an important one just for being, you know, focused on the process and and running happy, riding happy. 
Yes, and just remembering that you are enough just as you are. Uh, we love you, and also we would love you even more if you would head over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to this, and leave us a rating or review. Um, it, it really does matter. We've gotten a couple recently, um, a few more coming in. We see those. We love them. We read them, uh, and they mean a lot. You know, we, we've been putting this out for six years now, you know, sometimes two episodes a week, definitely at least one episode every week for six years. So if you've ever taken value from it, take 10 seconds and just head over and just quickly drop a rating in there. All right. As always, thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.